0: I'm Beth Napleton, the founder of Beth Napleton Consulting.
1: So what inspired you to help leaders and other people in the business space?
0: So before I started my organization three years ago, I decided to start and lead a small charter school network on the far south side of Chicago. And I've been in education for about 15, 20 years at that point, I decided to start a school. And it was an amazing and incredible experience. And it was also Excruciatingly difficult. I was in that role from uh, 2011 to 2021, and I found that in that journey there were so many ups and downs, so many challenges I had never experienced. I didn't have somebody else doing my role like I did if I was a vice president of a nonprofit or if I was on a larger team. And so when I thought about what was next for me, my journey, I could think back to a couple of key pivot points where I really didn't know what the future held for me as a leader. But because of a coach that I had engaged or a consultant who came in and helped me with some capacity, I was really able to kind of climb to the next level. I felt like I was sometimes on a huge staircase and I sometimes got stuck at certain steps. And so they always helped me kind of get unstuck and get to the next step. And so I thought, well, you know what? I really... I like starting things. I started I've sort of met at programs, schools, you know, anything you can name. I'm like a starter and I want to start a business. And it felt like this is a place that I could really continue to make an impact in an area that's so important for people who are working every day to help make the world a better place.
1: So what are some of the differences between the education field and then helping leaders?
0: Yeah. So I I do help a lot of leaders in education. So that is, there is some overlap there. (laughs) Um, I always say I speak schools, right? So people get, you know, it's like, I understand that for you, the meeting starting at 10.05 is a big problem because the bell is at 10.08, right? Or whatever it is. And so let's start it after the bell rings, because there is just a certain cadence to kind of being a school leader world. Um, But, you know, I always say when I, I started my career as a classroom teacher and I was a pretty successful classroom teacher for almost 10 years. And then I started to transition into some instructional coaching and leadership. And people would always say, oh my gosh, like, you must be so glad to get a break from the kids. And I'm like, first of all, the problems are the exact same, right? People can't express what they want. They're frustrated and don't know what to do. But with the kids, they're supposed to feel that way. (laughs) And with the adults, I'm super frustrated because you are a 45-year-old woman having a meltdown. Like, I expect my seventh grader to have a meltdown, <laughs> but you are, you know, what what's happening here? And so in some ways, I think it's like helped highlight for me some of the, you know, universality of being human, right? And kind of how do we uh, grow? How do we develop? How do we challenge ourselves enough, but not too much? And so there's a lot to actually to be shared um, in that work as well.
1: My wife is actually an instructional uh, teacher, Uh, at an elementary school. And a lot of things she talks about, especially the kids, it is similar to the business route.
0: A hundred percent. I mean, you would think like, what does my day have in common? You spend your day with young
1: children. right?
0: a whole lot. And if anything, the amazing nature of kids is that they can have a bad day on Tuesday and they come in Wednesday and they're fresh and ready to go. Whereas, you know, sometimes the adults take a little longer to work through that. (laughs) We get less, maybe, I don't know if it's less resilient or less adaptive, less flexible. Just as we grow, we change a little bit. So.
1: What are some of the top tips for leaders?
0: So I always think about for leaders in any organization, but especially ones that are mission-driven, like nonprofits, right? Where you're usually in it to do something bigger than yourself, to help the environment, or to help provide kids with a great education. And I see uh, two areas that really come to mind. One is that uh, it is important and and also counterintuitive in any given situation to focus on what's working instead of what's not working. So I think that as humans we're very hardwired to focus on what's not working. This is probably what helped us survive like the saber-toothed tiger is back in the day, but if you're leading a team of people, if you're speaking to a group of donors, you know, it can be so easy to focus. Our brains go to automatically what's not working. And yet in any situation there's always something that's working about it. Even if you're in a, a really difficult HR situation and it, it is really unclear what to do, you know, there's always, are they showing up to work? Well, that's actually something that's working, right? Are they right engaging with students? Okay, that's working. Maybe the way in which they're engaging isn't appropriate, right, and there's areas you need to solve here, but I think it can help leaders to take a breath and say, what are the assets here and what's working? Um, so that's my first thing. Always in any situation, no matter how difficult, there's always something. And the second piece is that, you know, I think especially leaders in nonprofits um, where, you know, resources can be scarce and people want to think about maximizing their dollar use. um, I often see leaders kind of like self-sacrifice for the greater good. You know, we're, I'm not going to go to this conference. Instead, we'll, you know, send these staff members. I'm not going to, you know, take the day off because I'm sick because that'll put my work on other people. And I think that this is really about the long game and the long haul. And leaders have to be able to invest in themselves, right? And they have to be able to give themselves the same grace that they would give a valued employee. I think they have to be willing to invest in their own coaching and development and progress, because if I have a chance to, you know, if there's an organization with 100 staff members, And I have to like put all my chips in one place. Like, how am I going to help the mission of the organization moving forward? The leadership is the way to go. The executive director, the CEO, right? The the principal of a school. And I think sometimes, particularly the more humble leaders, which is like a wonderful quality to have, but it can prevent them from saying, no, 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 like I'm worthy of this. And my growth helps the organization grow, helps my team grow, helps my team be more effective. Because if I can make one leader more effective in that role, I've actually just made life better for the, you know, 10 people who report to them.
1: For me, when I do interviews and uh talk to all kinds of different people, one of the most important tools I have is uh empathy, under uh, believing in people and talking to them. Uh how important is empathy as a tool for leaders?
0: Yeah, I think it can be really valuable. So one of my hats that I wear is I'm a certified Gallup strengths coach. And so are you familiar with the strengths assessment or uh, I 30 seconds? No,
1: yes, please. Yeah.
0: So it's, you know, the Gallup, the survey company is on all this research and they did this research starting in the fifties and sixties about, um, you know, basically what are, do certain things come naturally to certain people? And basically the answer is yes. And they found that that's often because you've been doing something over and over again, so yeah. you've gotten better at it, right? Um, and this is kind of the way that you see these wor- the world and, th- and these are your strengths and how can you leverage them? And so they fall in four categories, strategic thinking, relationship building, influencing and executing. And one of the strengths under relationship building is empathy. And it's interesting for me because empathy is actually, I think my number four strength, right? They say, focus on your top five. And so I hear that question and I think, yes, empathy has been so important, right? It has helped me to understand this, but when I work with clients, so sometimes clients will take the assessment and we'll meet one-on-one to discuss the results. I also do development with teams. So I'll like help a team to do their strengths and compare their strengths and think about how to use each other. And it's beautiful for a couple of reasons. So one it helps people understand that sometimes they're coming at something differently because they have these different strengths in the way they see the world and once they have the label to add to it it can help them say like oh i can actually really unlock joe's strengths because he is deliberative so he's going to really take his time to think about this whereas i am an activator i'm going to like get right into something and so the, the two together will probably produce like a pretty harmonious result. Um, and with every strength, there's always light and shadow. So it's the same with empathy, right? So some of my leaders who lead with empathy struggle with sometimes like taking people's problems on too much, having a hard time separating, right? Um, being so empathetic that maybe they are quicker to let people off the hook for, you know, what they should be doing. And so I think like it is very helpful in moderation, right? And so I think that that's where you can think about, hey, empathy comes easily to me. So I know that I'm not gonna have a hard time understanding the perspective of this person, but I am gonna be cautious about how do I make sure that even though they're going through some tough times right now, I'm treating them in a way that is fair and equitable as compared to the rest of the team,
1: so. What are your other strengths?
0: Uh, I am, my number one strength is activator, right? And so that is in the influencing, I like to start things, which again, you look at my career and you're like, started a school, started a business, I started (laughs) a program in college. And it was actually so funny is that um, uh, in the strengths training, which is like 40 plus hours of training, right? Uh, to become a certified strengths coach, you learn about all the different strengths and how they interact and all this. And the strengths that they contrast activator with is called deliberative, which is in the executing one, which is about needing time. So as part of my certification, I had to coach people that I knew and do some individual sessions. And it came out that my father's number one strength is deliberative. And so we were able to have this moment where we realized that sometimes when we have conflict over decisions or things that I'm doing, it actually was nothing more than like what happens when an activator meets a deliberative, right? (laughs) It's like a little bit of a clash you know, and, and my ex-husband had deliberative as a strength, right? And like, there are times now that I'm like, oh man, we wouldn't have gotten that puppy if I had a deliberative who had to sign off on this. <laughs> they would have thought this through a little bit more <laughs> instead of being excited. So anyway, I am activator, I have empathy, I have positivity, communication, and maximizer, which is about helping, uh, uh kind of go good to great, helping uh, reach for the bar of excellence, like kind of always kind of pushing to maximize what you can make any given situation.
1: What are some of the secrets you have to help uh, people in general?
0: So I think that my strengths coaching is sure one of my, one of my kind of like secret ways, quote unquote, secret ways of handling a situation, because often, Leaders come to me in a situation where, look, if you're bringing a consultant or a coach, there's a reason. And the reason usually isn't things are going so well, I don't know what to do.
1: (laughs) I'm (laughs) frustrated.
0: I've got a a recalcitrant employee who I don't know what to do with. My leadership team is dysfunctional. Um, I'm struggling with how to bring the organization along. Like the board and I think we need to move in this direction, but the people are not coming with me. And so I think, you know, I can think about um, a number of clients so who I've worked with and, you know, they often can come to me like, I don't know what to do. And I think one of the first things we usually do is a strength coaching session to get so I can get to know them as a leader and so that I can think about us using strategies that will be well suited for them. So there are certain things that I will take like a fish to water on because I'm an activator and there are other things that you can recommend I do it, you can explain why it's important, but I I don't have consistency in my top 5 strength and I it's going to come harder for me. And so anyway, that's part of where I can customize my solutions to people is by doing this this strengths work. And so one of the um uh one of the things that uh is helpful is being able to focus with people on what's working and what's working about your leadership style. Because I think it starts to reorientate them to there are things that are working um, a lot of times I'll work with leaders who have recently come into an organization and it's often they feel very different from their predecessor mm-hmm. and that can lead to feelings of imposter syndrome or why am I doing this? But we can kind of talk through, there's a reason why they chose you to be the next person to lead, right? You you do bring different strengths. You do bring a different perspective. You do bring different expertise. And so what does this make to do with that? So I think that's you know certainly one of my secrets is, and that in some ways comes naturally because I have positivity in my top five. So I'm very good at kind of seeing what's working In a situation, and I can use that strength to shine a light. Um, And I think the other is that I really just am very focused on listening to people and understanding their situations and really tailoring my solutions, whether it's in coaching or in consulting, to work with them on their particulars. And I always tell people you are special, but you are not unique. And so if you are struggling with the you know, toxic team culture, you are not the first leader in the history yeah. of the leadership to struggle with this. And, and it's not unique. I, I get that the particulars there about this dynamic or this person or this kind like, those are important to understand as we carve a path from point A to point B for you. But also, like, I can leverage my experience, not only with all the clients that I've worked with over the past several years, but with All the variety of leadership experiences I've had in my, you know, almost 30 year career and use those to kind of help you say, like, yeah, this is kind of what happens sometimes. And we're going to do this and this and this. And here's what you need to know. And it's going to be fine. Um, And so I think that that can be really reassuring to folks as we go through.
1: So in my past career, I was a manager for. Uh, 11 people, and sometimes I was barely above water doing it. How important is it to, you know, have a coach or consultant to, you know, help you or just being there for for a leader?
0: I think it's, I think it's huge. And, and the reason is because I think, you know, and I'll use a school example, because people know that, but I'm guessing that in your past career, there's an analogous situation, which is, you know, usually in schools, people start out as classroom teachers, and they become really good at it. And someone says, hey, you're really good at this, you should be an instructional coach, or you should be an assistant principal or a dean. And, You know, it's like you've been training for the Olympics and you were training to be a springboard diver. And all of a sudden it says you're really good at springboard diving. Come try platform. It's like it's (laughs) diving. It's a sport. There's some similarities, but these are different skill sets. And, you know, a lot of people will say, well, I could manage a classroom of kids. Why, why am I having a hard time with adults? Well, adults are different and adults expect to be treated differently than kids in many ways. And there's more complexity and you weren't like, you know, managing the compensation and benefits of your students. And so like, there's lots of different pieces that can come into play. And so, you know, I think that it's, it's saying to people like one, this job is hard. It's really human It is, you know, I always feel like my leaders are, you know, right now they're in the intersection of leading in environments that people's relationship to work has changed tremendously. And they're on the front lines of that. Why wouldn't you have the support for yourself, right? Because you can try and fumble it through in the dark by yourself. You can use your best guess. You can try and, you know, work late nights and patch it together or you can say, let me bring in an expert and see what I could do here to figure this out. And you know, of course, you can always Google, you can always read books, you can always do this. But so many of my clients say, hey, look, we have a call on the calendar every two weeks and I know that I'm wrestling with this and I can save it for the call. When I, when people are my clients, like I, I'm on their squad, they've got my phone number, they can text me, they can shoot me a voice memo, like, hey, this thing came up, how do I react to this? What should I do? And so, you know, if you look at anyone who is a champion in their field, like an athlete, you know, they have a nutritionist, they have a coach to help them with their serve, they have a coach to help them there. Why wouldn't you give that to yourself as a leader of a mission driven organization? If you think that your own development is important, and you think that the work you're doing is important to me in many ways, it's a no brainer.
1: So as coming from being a teacher and now helping uh leaders uh how does it feel for you you know to make a difference in these people's lives
0: it is i it's really gratifying and i think one of the things that i really wrestled with as I was thinking about leaving my school was, you know, working in a school, you never doubt your role is important, right? There are hundreds of kids who depend on you every day. God forbid you get stuck in traffic and you're late to something. It's like, right. you know, he's there to greet you. What happened? You know, where were you yesterday, Miss Napleton, right? You know, I, I was, you know, the doctor or whatever. So I thought a lot about that. Um, where, how can I get some of that feeling in my next role? And, you know, just knowing that when my leaders come to me, they're often feeling, you know, can I do this anymore? I'm feeling burned out. I've tried everything I know how to do and being able to work with them, usually in a one on one setting, sometimes by adding extra capacity to them by being a consultant and taking on some of the projects right now we say to them, hey, you know, if you're uh, like the difference between a coach and a consultant is like in the coaching relationship, you leave with the next steps. And in a consulting relationships, I leave with the next steps. Right. And so people say, oh, that's great. And then I also do something called coach salting, which is combining both. So we'll work together on a project where we'll create the plan. We'll do an analysis. We'll make up priorities and focus. And then I'll support people through the implementation because, you know, you can get like a real fancy PowerPoint deck with all these next steps. But if the team, you know, mutinies at the first meeting, you know, oh, what do I do with it? You're kind of stuck. And so I kind of help people through a lot of those inevitable bumps in the road that happen. So it has been um, really gratifying and really interesting to continue to get insight into the the ups and downs of leaderships and the differences of each organization and the impact of the work they do and also the similarities that exist.
1: I like Coach Salting. That's pretty good. You got to make a T-shirt of it.
0: Uh, yeah, no, there's more coming. Yes, exactly. It has been, And honestly, that's my most impactful work because, yeah. you know, so often people in coaching say, I love what you're suggesting. I know ages, I, I don't have the time to do this. I want to be more clear on this hiring process. I want to figure out how to manage my team. And then in consulting, you know, I think you can just get it and stick it in a drawer. And so it really marries the two nicely. And we've been able to reach some, you know, people have like totally revamped their relationships with their board as a result of our work. They have gotten their organizations to be more goal focused, right, on the right outcomes, which is a big change management transition. So it's been super gratifying.
1: Where do you want to see your business, say, in the next three to five years?
0: Yeah, I think, you know, it's interesting. We definitely are looking to grow because we found the Coach Salting to be so terrific in terms of the ability to impact a leader in a relatively short amount of time and help set an organization on a better course. And so I think I'd like to see us really continuing to work with more and more organizations and really thinking about, you know, I work with a team of people who all subcontract, who are all practitioners in the field. And so I might have an organization that's grappling with some of their financial controls. And I will assign a current CFO, I know, from my professional career to work as leading them coach, consulting through that process. And so I think that it's interesting to think about like some different areas that we can branch out to. You know, right now we kind of do general leadership and talent work, but could we do more with donor relations probably? Could we do more with community relations? And so it'll be interesting to see how the journey evolves.